Annyeong SAO, welcome to Afternoona Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the haul you wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unnees. Hey, Megan. <laughs> Hello, Leah. We are down uh, down Amy today, so I think that rules out a hey, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just me. Just me. Well, I am very excited to talk to just you about what we're talking about today. But before we get into it, um, how's your summer going? Yeah, I mean, it's good. Busy. We have like a million and one track meets. Um for my son, which is very fun because this is like his first season. And so another thing that we've really been into is the Tour de France. So I don't know. I've never watched it every year because I really thought <laughs> I didn't know enough about bike racing, but my husband is really into it. And I really thought the Tour de France was like, you just get on your bike and pedal and like whoever <laughs> crosses the line first wins. Like I didn't know. I um, actually, that you're you're how you used to be is how I still am. Well, so educate me. <laughs> okay, so I'm like, I thought it was like that simple. I didn't realize that there are teams and there are strategies and there's all these like unspoken rules. I had no idea. So I'm like learning about that this year. And so my husband and I have been, it's like our ritual every night we sit down and we watch the extended highlights. Cause it's on, obviously it's in France for us. That's like, pretty early in the morning so it's like at the end of our work days we'll sit and we'll watch the extended highlights which are like an hour long so it's not like it's you know it's... so the highlight is them biking yeah so the highlights them biking but it will um it will like so sell me sell me on where the drama is right so it'll like it'll like hone in on like the attacks and it'll focus on like the attacks so like when you know, some member of a team will be trying to like beat another team and they're like really strategic about the attacks and you'll have like the different teams like battling each other. But again, there's all these like unspoken rules on, you know, how you treat the guy with the yellow jersey, who's like the overall leader for like these whole three weeks. And then you just have these guys who are like machines who it seems like they can do anything. And I'm obsessed so if anyone watches the Tour de France, I am obsessed with Wout Van Art, and I have an inappropriate crush on him. Like inappropriate. <laughs> he's Bel he's from Belgium. Belgium, I think. Let me just double check. Yeah, he's Belgian. And his name is Wout, which is W O U T Van Art. So his name is Wout, which I just like love that <laughs> his name is Wout. He's a beast meaning for a biker so obviously bikers are built like really lean okay. you know they have like no upper body because it's like no wout van art is amazing he can do anything he's like one of the best sprinters in the world he i'm gonna look is, him up really I fast him. i love him he's kind of got like a personality even when he rides the bike so yeah we've been watching this like every night and i'm like oh i mean <laughs> really into yeah it. not too bad and then, um my husband is out of town this week and i'm like devastated because now at night i have to watch my highlights like all by my lonesome and i'm really 
but at least I can like really perv on Mel Van Art with with my husband not around. Um, but yeah, he is just amazing and. I don't know. If you guys watch the Tour de France, I guess by the time this airs, it'll be over. Oh. I was going to be like, don't spoil me. But like, <laughs> it'll... Yeah, of course. But yeah, we have uh, a couple week leg time between when we record and when a podcast goes to air. So yes, Tour de France will be done and dusted by the time this yeah, comes out. Yeah, but you know, still, let me know if you watched it this year. Let me, like at this point we'll know who won so let me know if if you care if you didn't care that's fine I just uh, I just love it I love it so much so yeah that's what we've been we've been doing um and I know you went to the the Great Barrier Reef can you just like tell us a little bit about that because yeah yeah so we've been to the reef twice and we're gonna go one more time before we leave so we are currently um, in Australia in far north Queensland uh, in Cairns on the gateway you know the gateway city to the Great Barrier Reef. And, um, yeah, we have had an amazing time on the reef. I think that I am happy that the coral is as intact as, um, it is. Although it's sobering because you can see a lot of bleaching and dead coral as well. But, you know, I am really happy we are seeing living coral, um, and I guess feeling, you know, more motivated to like get in that climate fight. Cause I mean, these are meat. This is an amazing ecosystem. Basically you've got the rainforest that comes all the way down to the beach. And then, um, you know, that nutrient, um, that heavy nutrient like load, I guess, is going out into the reef to help support, you know, all the amazing animals out there. And, um, I've been really proud because my six year old who barely could put her face in the pool is happy going snorkeling like out in the ocean where we're like jumping off the side of a boat into like the open ocean. I mean, it's not the open ocean because it's a reef, but like you don't see land anywhere. Um, and she's got a little life jacket, but still, I mean, it's a big deal. And so the routine we've established now is that, um, she cries the first time (laughs) and she like now has like prepped herself because we've done it twice. So she's like, okay, I always cry the first time. So she cries the first time and then has to get right out. Then she has to like sit down and think about it and be like, be brave. I really want to do this. And then she's good to go for the rest of the day and like doesn't want to stop. That's so cute. So we've had two days of that. (laughs) Yeah. And the second time um, we saw a bunch of sea turtles, which is really awesome. Although I was just with her and we came across a leatherback sea turtle, which is like the largest sea turtle like in the ocean. And it came like out of the gloom. And this thing was a freaking beast. And I don't know. I mean, like, I wasn't really, like, thinking in, like, a heavy biological way as I was snorkeling, which is, like, I don't know. I probably should have. But I just remember being, like, we've lived in Hawaii. I was, like, this turtle is, like, I didn't even think of it being, like, a different species. I was just, like, what the hell? Like, there's so much bigger here. And it was so big that my daughter thought it was a boulder with an eel coming out of it. So she starts panicking and screaming because she's afraid of eels and like jumping on my back. And I'm like, dude, you're going to drown me. And she's like, the eel, the eel. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, ah, the eel. I'm like, cool, where's an eel? I want to see it. And then I'm like, wait, that's just the turtle. (laughs) That sounds amazing. So anyway, yeah, it was really cool. And we're getting close to the end of our trip, unfortunately. We're rounding it up. So today we're going to go up to a spot called Cape Tribulation that's about two and a half hours north of here. And this is a sidetrack that is not, I thought it was funny. My husband didn't think it was funny at all, 
But um, a couple of days ago, I was just like on social media and I saw that Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson are up, were, were up there having like a sneaky romantic getaway. <laughs> and this is a pretty isolated place. And so I was just like driving along with my husband. I'm like, do you know what's funny is we're going up to like Cape Tribulation and Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson are up there. And he's like, why are you saying those things to me? <laughs> sounds like something my husband would say. He's like, why? And I was like, well, it's not of interest. It's not like I'm like, oh, my God, Kardashian. I was like, actually, I was more like, will there be like popper? Like, I thought we were going to like a remote enclave. Right. <laughs> you know, that's like two and a half hours away from like the last main city, you know, on this coast. And I was like, I was thinking more, is there going to be like a paparazzi machine? He's like, eh, I don't want to talk about it or think about it. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Cam. I hope you had fun. <laughs> My husband would say the same thing. He'd be like, those names don't belong in this family or something like that. Yeah, exactly. He was like, take that, take that name out of your mouth. <laughs> That's so funny. Wait, so you go up there tomorrow or today? No, today. Okay, well, let me yeah. know if you see... I actually do like Pete Davidson, so let me know if you... I mean, I would let you know just because it's, like, pretty freaking random. I mean, maybe Nick Cage is there, Not too. out of, like... Yeah, I mean, not out of delight of, you know, whatever. And, I mean, look, some people really like, you know, those celebrities, and that's fine. It's not, like, my jam. I've never watched, like, any of their right. stuff. But, I mean, I am aware they exist in the world, and... You know, look, I'd just rather not have that celebrity encounter. That is not one that's on my video Yeah, card. no, not at all. Not at all. That's really funny. But, um, yeah, it should be fun. But speaking of, you know, I got to thread this needle back to, like, the segue I was hoping okay. to do. But then, you know, I talked about the reef and the okay. turtles. Was We were talking about Wout. Yeah. And Wout is, like, a wow. Yeah. Pretty hot. <laughs> and do you know what else is yeah. hot? <laughs> The drama we're talking about today, which is King oh Kong. hell yes! So Leah and I have obviously been waiting to talk about this. Just so you know, Leah's level of dedication. So obviously she's in Australia, and um, she's like busy while she's in Australia. So like the timing, it can be very hard to record podcasts. So she is up at six a.m. sitting in her car <laughs> right now. Yes, I'm in my car because I couldn't wake up the house in the vacation. Rhythm. So. That is how dedicated she is, but that's how much we want to talk about Kim Porsche. So it is true. This is not a hard. Yeah. For me. So uh, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, Kim Porsche is a Thai action romance drama that aired this year, and it's based on a webtoon of the same name by writing duo Dami, which is spelled D A E M I. Right now, it's available to view on the app iQiyi, which is spelled I Q I Y I. So I saw the trailers and press begin for this drama like a year ago and I've had my eye on it for this long uh, originally the drama was filmed or was produced by film mania but in mid 2021 the producers of the wed tune parted ways with them and then new trailers were released in the end of 2021 under the production company be on cloud so what's interesting is you can still catch some of the old trailers on YouTube which is a bit of a mind trip because they're the same, but then they're not. <laughs> some of the actors were changed and some of the scenes have been filmed slightly differently than the end product that was released by Beyond Cloud. So if you want to look it up, you can. It's kind of a, it's kind of funny. But whatever they did paid off because the final show that aired was a delicious gay romance between a dangerous mafioso and his reluctant bodyguard. 
We're going to use the Thai actors' nicknames where we can because I don't think any of you want to listen to a podcast where we butcher Thai names repeatedly. So Mile plays Kin, the middle son of the powerful head of the Thira Panikun mafia family. And Apo plays Korsh Kitasawat, a scrappy underground fighter who takes care of his younger brother after the death of his parents. Porsche and Kin first meet when Kin is fleeing some baddies, intent on killing him, and runs into the bar where Porsche is a popular and flashy bartender. He offers to pay Porsche if he helps him escape, and Porsche agrees. So Porsche assumes that will be the last he ever meets the handsome Kin. But when Porsche's uncle's gambling debts put them in danger of losing their house and the funds for his brother's education, Porsche is manipulated into working as a bodyguard for the Thero Panikun family. <laughs> What follows is a lot of <laughs> open button shirts. Like, I swear to God, no one buttons their shirts. It's all down to, like, mid-chest. The entire <laughs> Yeah, if it's not a belly button showing, then so, yeah. don't even bother putting yeah, it Yeah, a lot of open button shirts, hand jobs, hot tub sex, gunfights, a sex dungeon with a hedgehog, kidnappings, and mafia dealings. And look, that's only, like, a sampling of all I could have put in there. Look, friends, this drama is a lot. There's so much going on, three different budding romances, and it's one of the sexiest Asian dramas we have ever seen. So usually we have a non-spoiler section, but look, I'm sorry. Today we're delving right into it. Why? Because there's just so much to talk about, and frankly, even if we spoil every single minute, every single minute detail about this drama, we still think it's damn fun to watch. Like, you won't, it will not lessen your entertainment, I promise you. So hold on to your hedgehogs, button up those t-shirts, and let's get into it. First of all, sum up your feelings about this drama. Do you recommend it? And do you have any comps? So do I recommend this drama? To me, it's like, is the sky blue? Is water wet? Do crocodiles surround me here in Australia? In short, yes. So yes. Yes, I do. And here's the thing, too. Like, do I like mafia shows? Not particularly. Do I seek out action in my dramas? No, not on purpose. Do I enjoy people riding around on fast motorcycles? No. But do I love like bodyguard tropes? Yes. Do I love yearning? Yes. Do I love found family? Always. Do I love problematic BDSM with voyeuristic hedgehogs? Yes, I do. So look, there is a lot of ridiculous in the story, like Megan kind of alluded to. But the the thing that's like the take home that I want folks to like really think about if they haven't seen the drama or just to celebrate if they have is how the cast honestly just sells the entire bananas plot hook, line and sinker. Like it's a mafia story with heart. And I haven't watched Vincenzo yet. I understand that there's like some bananas in Vincenzo so it could be a comp um but for me my comp right now is kind of like crash landing on you simply because I felt like when I was trying to think of a comp for this I was like that is a drama that had a ridiculous premise you know like when I started watching it it was my first k-drama but like you know seeing the tornado and being like what is happening and there was just like kind of a lot of ridiculous moments in this but it was also awesome And I felt like the chemistry of the cast just made the whole thing shine. And so I think that's a really good comp for that as well. 
And look, I also really love gray characters, morally gray, I mean. And so I'm also just going to toss out Moon Lovers because I've watched it recently and it's on my brain a lot. And I thought that was a comp too because there we have a son who's got daddy and mommy issues who does a lot of morally bankrupt things. Yet somehow you watch him, love him, and are like, mommy, I want one, buy him for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... I mean, God, I agree with everything you said. I haven't had this much fun watching a drama in, like, a very long time. So it doesn't take itself too seriously. That's number one in my book. Like, I I like that. And it feels very self-aware. And it's also sexy as fuck. Like, every episode has something off the wall happening. Like, Porsche peeing into a pond and kill, <laughs> killing the eldest mafia son's pet carps. To Porsche hot boxing kin after sex. (laughs) It was so random. Like, I almost feel like that was maybe improvised and they just kept it in. (laughs) I I think so. Because I mean, like, who was like, yes, clearly what we need to do is have some post-sex hot boxing. Right. Like, like, who put that in the script? Wasn't he, like, going down on him? I don't know. So just, you know, it's like he, he... farted under the covers yeah, and then no. covered them with that's what hot yeah, kin, is no kin it wasn't post-sex kin was getting ready to go down on him oh that's it okay yeah then who does, does that like case. how is that in the script <laughs> and it's still hot well that's not hot but i mean like the drama in general is still hot and i don't even know why i don't even know um yeah i mean i was massively entertained and rooting for all the romances i agree that a lot of the characters were morally gray and i think that the drama presented them that way without making excuses for their behavior so when they did bad things the drama was like yeah i mean they're pretty bad they're like mafia guys and i was like good like great you know what i mean it didn't seem to make excuses for them and i just i really enjoyed that in fact it made i will say little excuses like people are just dying all the time it's so funny like not funny no, i mean like, like, they could kill like 50 people before breakfast and you're just like whatever yeah. they're like you just stepped okay. on some ants <laughs> Um, one, one thing that was kind of playing throughout the drama that I really liked is they were always watching Bad and Crazy, which is the Lee Dong-wook, um, drama that is also on the app, the iChi app. And I really <laughs> love that, that they were like promoting Bad and Crazy, like within, um, within the drama, the oldest son, the oldest mafia son, Tankoon, was always watching Bad and Crazy. And it was very funny. And I haven't seen Bad and Crazy, but part of me wonders if that's, um, if that's a comp. I mean, Bad and Crazy would be like, should, could be the title of Kim yeah, Porsche. Yeah, so it like, be a good comp. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of motorcycles. There's a lot of fighting. Um, and I think there's humor too in Bad and Crazy. So I don't know, maybe that would work. But overall, heck yeah, I recommend it to everyone because it's just that much fun. So let's talk about the main couple and the show's namesake, Kin and Porsche. So first of all, who would you prefer to be handcuffed to while on the run from assassins? Because yes, this was a plot line. Of course, (laughs) they were running. Yeah, they were running from assassins handcuffed to each other. So first they were in a jungle. And then, I don't know, they had them, like, leave the jungle, and then they were in, like, you know, like, 
cliffs. I don't know. Either way, they just had them handcuffed to each other for like a full episode. Yeah, and it was during a time that they were both running from feelings. So handcuffing Mm -hmm. them was perfect. It was genius. It was actually genius. Um, Okay, so this is a hard choice because I love them both for different reasons. But I actually like had to lay on my bed and mull this over. And I'm not even kidding before I gave it my answer. And my final answer is Porsche. And I went practically practical. And here's why. I think ultimately Kin is more cunning and he's been chased and shot at a lot longer by assassins. But Porsche really is just like a person that operates on pure instinct and he does not tend to overthink. So look, I trust him to think up some crazy shit on the spot and I'll likely be doing things like jumping onto moving trains or swimming through a sewer, but he's going to keep me alive. And ultimately, you know, the thing is, is that like on a crush level, I think I do feel more drawn to like that kin, poor little rich boy full of emotional damage, um, in terms of like, what's going to make me swoon the most, but Porsche is also just really fricking hot. And so, oh, so, hot. so just for some shallowness, like that too. Yeah. I mean, I think Porsche would keep me alive longer. And I love him. He's fun as hell. But but I, I just went, um, I don't know, maybe like Wild Van Art has me hot or something. But handcuff me to Kin with his like massive eyebrows. <laughs> you called him like Bert and Ernie eyebrows. They are. They they're are, huge, but they're sexy and I love them. in this like unexpected They're so way. sexy. Yeah. And his like pillowy pectorals and his like sexy grin Those i just pectorals are I on display so. a lot not as much as porsche's so porsche was normally shirtless yeah. whereas kin right. was like that like v opened down to his navel chest yeah always he never wore a shirt buttoned up Mm-mm. ever and i just i just loved him like will he keep me alive i don't know but i will absolutely starve at the jungle with eye candy and like what a way to go so, yeah, please, like, handcuff me to Kin half-naked at the bottom of our waterfall. Who needs food? Who needs food? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's, speaking of Kin Porsche, let's talk about their chemistry. I mean, yes, we felt it. So, you know, what was your, what was a favorite scene of yours? And just, yeah, let's talk okay, about yeah, it. Okay, yeah, because I was going to say, obviously they have chemistry. They have a freaking like nuclear reaction when they're together. So the moment, like I have so many faves and so I can't choose. It's like choosing children. It's just impossible for me. So I'm just going to choose the moment where I decided I was all in because I, I did not seek this drama out. This drama sought me out. So, you know, you were talking about it for a while and you were like, Hey, I'm going to wait to watch it till it's all out. Cause I want to like binge hard. And then um, mm-hmm. one of my listener, or one of our listeners and um, friends of the pod, Allison, started just messaging me on like a campaign that like daily basis was like, are you watching? Here's clips and reels. Are you watching? Are you watching? I'm like, I don't want to get another app to watch. And I'm like, finally, I was like, fine, I'm just diving in. I'm diving in ahead of Megan even. I'm just going to start watching it, whatever, like just doing it. And it took me until episode two. I mean, I, I liked it in episode one, but it took me until episode two until I turned into like a rabid frothing monster for the show. And here is why. <laughs> so basically like the setup is 
you know, Porsche is contracted as Ken's bodyguard. He's not very motivated to succeed in his new gig. <laughs> you know, he's very <laughs> petulant. He's quite arrogant. He's petty. It's still all very hot, though, and charming. But honestly, Ken is all those things as well, just in more of like an emotionally damaged and brooding kind of way. And so these two are like rubbing up against each other in this like enemies to lovers way. And the sparks are just like constantly flying. So Ken is doing what any mafia heir son is going to do when he's got a little bit of R&R and he's at a shooting range, just like blasting, you know, paper targets with some of his besties. And he's like, "Ugh, I'm like bored shooting these paper targets. Porsche, go get me an apple. So Porsche, like, shuffles off, like, oh, God, like Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> he's yeah, so and he gets the fruit. And Ken's, like, go out there, and he's like, where do you want me to put the apple? And Ken's like, put it on top of your head. And you can see Porsche is like, the fuck? And, like, the friends are like, ha-ha, you're so funny, Ken. And he's like, no, I'm not kidding. Put it on top of your head, or are you scared? And so, of course, it's just, like, so over the top. And Porsche is just like you know, FML, I'm not backing down to this bitch. And he like puts the apple on top of his head and he like barely gets it on top of his head. Like he sets it down and Ken just doesn't even like take aim. He just lifts his gun up and is like, boom. And it happens so fast. And Porsche doesn't even flinch as like apple pieces are just flying all over him. And then he can, and it's just like this like hot moment where you're both like, they're both crazy and they are both crazy for each other. And this is going to be amazing. And Ken like doesn't even react to Porsche being so cool about it. He's like, I'm going to go eat and like leaves. And then you see Porsche like keeps it together, like no reaction until he has like a second to himself. And then his knees just give out and he's like, holy shit. <laughs> And yeah, as soon as I saw that, I was just like, you son of a bitch. Like, I'm in on this. Yeah. It gave, like, they were just, the script was just so good with these characters. Because they found a way to make them very cool and, you know, like, skilled, but then humanize them, Mm -hmm. too. Like, because you think, oh my god, Porsche is so cool that he just stood there. But then they show you that glimpse of him, like behind his pants you know when he's finally alone yeah like he wanted to shit his pants because it was scary that terrifying yeah and i just i loved i i totally agree that scene is so good it's it is so and it's also like competency porn because i'm like ken barely even like looks at the apple like the apple goes on his head and he's like bang (laughs) hot as hell ken ken does that a lot where he just like raises his hand like shoots people i mean just you know he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. He could be like eating a sandwich and talking <laughs> was... to someone and just like taking out people like with perfect yeah. precision. Yeah. Ken is, Ken is definitely like a, a mafioso. But this is Thai um, drama land, not real life. So in real life, we do not condone randomly uh, playing, no. you know, William Tell with folks or eating sandwiches right. and committing murder. Oh, yeah. This drama was was so far. It felt like a fantasy oh, yeah. land. It, and, you know, it was just not of this world it was like a different world where there's like different rules and, and that's you must kind of be gay to be drunk. in the mafia because everyone in the mafia is gay. oh my god that's what i think everyone was gay which was amazing like i loved it <laughs> amazing but it really amazing. was just every everyone <laughs> i was everyone. like it's the republicans worst fears come true that the gay mafia <laughs> is out <laughs> <laughs> the gay mafia they were all gay um 
Yeah, so like Leah said, they were explosive. Their sex scenes were truly out of this world. I think I've seen Ken's O-face, like, more than my husband's. I swear to God. And they weren't just sexy together. They had chemistry, like, in conversations and in silence. Like, they, they just really had an innate chemistry that you couldn't fabricate. Um, and I've seen them in interviews, too, and it's similar It's similar um, to there. But their eyes really spoke volumes to each other. So I don't know who's responsible for, like, casting these two together, but they are definitely going to heaven. Uh. And, okay, so for a favorite scene, this is really hard because um, I love them a lot. I would say my favorite scenes between them are the ones that are kind of in the beginning half of the drama where Kin is absolutely fighting his feelings for Porsche. Like, I think he knows he's attracted to Porsche. Because and I think he's any been, like, human with eyeballs is attracted to right. Porsche. Right, but I think... <sighs> He ha- he starts out having this like grudging, begrudging like respect for Porsche, and then he starts to really fall for Porsche. And I think he hates it. He hates it. Um, I mean, there's there's obviously a backstory where he's been hurt in the past. He actually had a bodyguard who like used him and betrayed him, who he had fallen in love with. So he didn't want to make the same mistake. And then his bad boy cousin humps everyone he's ever liked. <laughs> everyone. Yeah, that's another thing. But I mean, so I just I really loved a lot of those scenes because. Um, there's a lot of kin, he's trying to protect Porsche. Like, there's a scene where they go to this guy's house and they're, like, beating him up because he's, you know, he has a debt to them. (laughs) And kin can see that it bothers Porsche. He doesn't want, because, you know, Porsche had seen that, like, when he was younger. Uh, His uncle had been beat up when he was in debt. So kin tells Porsche, like, he can leave. He doesn't have to watch it. Which is, like, you know, obviously unusual. And then when they're done beating this guy up, they're like out on his like, (laughs) you know, driveway or whatever. And he comes out, he's all bloody and he's like, ah, and he has a gun and he shoots at, uh, the, you know, the bodyguards. And remember Ken, he, he covers Porsche. Like he's like, he like shoves him out of the way. He bodyguards his bodyguard. And and bodyguards his bodyguard. And he shoots the guy himself because I also think he doesn't want Porsche to have to shoot him. And so Porsche gets a little flesh wound on his arm from um, from the other guy's gun, but it's the point where you see Ken. His first instinct is to protect Porsche, and that shows up later. I know it's so great, it's so great, and I can it, you can tell it's. I think Ken is almost surprised at his own reaction, at his own uh, instinct, which is to protect Porsche, and it's just ugh, it's so freaking good. But their their relationship was not like all sunshine and rainbows. They're Basically, Ken Porsche had a lot of scenes where con- where consent was not clear. We've talked about consent a lot of times um, on this podcast. So Porsche was drunk during their first kiss, and he was actually drugged, not by Ken, <laughs> but he was drugged uh, during their first sex scene. I mean, he was, like, semi-lucid, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. So what did you think about these scenes in contrast to how consent did play a large role in, like, the later stages of their relationship? Yeah, so if you're looking to get behind a drama where everything is on the up and up and there is no dubious consent or even non-consent, <laughs> this may not be the drama for you. But however, I feel like, look, it it threads the needle that you might just need to trust it. And I don't know how else to say it because like, yeah. Um, so um, I'm not deep in Thai boy love drama land. Like I've watched, 
you know, a few. I enjoy it, but I'm not, like, hyped to, like, you know, a lot of the behind-the-scenes, um, like, scandals and dramas. And I do know that there's quite a few that float around this drama in particular. Um, and it seems to hinge a lot on the fact that the um, source material has a lot more overt non-consent and basically, like, sexual assault triggers. Like, I believe that yeah, there might even heard. be, like, gun to the head sex between some of the characters. I'm not sure. I don't think that's Kin Porsche. Um, but, you know, I believe that that, you know, like, it's a lot more coercive in the book itself. So the production company, BN Cloud, appears to have accepted, like, hey, this there's a lot of problematic stuff in this story. Uh, we can't, like, throw out all the bathwater, but we're going to try to make it, like, you know, a little bit of a, like, maybe part of a character uh, arc. So, yeah. yeah, at the beginning, we see, um, yeah, we see that drug kind of more, like, non-consent, where, you know, Kin is obviously attracted to Porsche. And in the book, I believe, he Kin is meant to be much more of an asshole in the book. I feel like the okay. drama, he's... N- I mean, he, I know he's meant to be an asshole. I just never really felt his assholeness because, like, I felt like he was like, I don't know, I'm, I'm an idiot, and I'm like, he's a damaged bad boy. So, like, excuse me. Right. I feel like they showed enough. Yeah, I feel like they showed enough of him early on that you weren't just like, ugh, how are they going to redeem him? Like, you, I actually did see glimpses of redemption early on. Yeah, very early on to me. So, um, yeah. But I felt like, you know, when they were handcuffed together, we see them, like, in the waterfall, and Kin, like, asks him for a hug before going in. And then, okay, I just want to talk about the handjob scene to end all handjobs. Uh, I mean, nobody should ever just give a handjob again, like, in the world, because no, it's been done. you got to see the scene. And, okay, so the setup is Porsche and bad boy, but hot as Hades cousin, Vegas, which, perfect name, by the way, to... Yes. And his shirt, 100%. I believe, is even, like, two buttons lower than Ken at all times. <laughs> <laughs> so they've taken out some Italians in, like, a mafia war. And they're out yeah. on the town celebrating. And, look, I was, like, as I was talking about this consent, I went back and watched it. And I'm like, okay, we still have some dubious consent because Porsche's also really drunk. <laughs> Although yeah. he sobers up apparently quickly. So he's pretty he drunk. Does. And Vegas' whole M.O. is, like, he is from, like, the minor mafia family. He's cousins to Kin. And to fuck with Kin forever, he is always trying to get with, like, the guys that Kin likes. So, you know, Porsche's no exception. And I believe he actually likes Porsche, but not, like, in a very deeply romantic way. He's just, like, he's hot, and I'm gonna, like, get with him and then, like, fuck over my cousin. So he, like, gets him into a bathroom and starts putting the moves on Porsche. And... Kin busts in and is big mad and like pulls guns with Kin or with Vegas. You see Vegas has his gun out and then he's like, I can't shoot the like mafia son. And so he's like, fuck and takes up. Kin's like, do you see my ring? Cause he's got like, yeah. a major. Oh, that's ring. so hot yeah. too. Yeah. Do you see the that's ring? That's a really hot. Yeah. Scene. Yeah. That is hot. Cause the ring. Yeah. Oh God. I forgot about that. Yeah. I just needed a moment. Cause that just was hot. Um, Okay. So, basically, Kin is pissed and jealous, and he's not good at articulating feelings of, like, being hurt. So, he basically just tells Porsche, and, like, the translation is basically, like, I didn't realize you were so slutty. (laughs) And the minute he sees how much that statement hurts Porsche, 
he falls up because poor slaps yeah him. slaps him and starts to like stalk out in his little look at his muffin face like he's not just pissed <laughs> he's like truly wounded and um you know can just falls apart like a house of cards on a windy day like he bear hugs porsche from behind kind of like wrestles him up against a mirror apologizes which is like a big turning point too and he really is sorry that's the thing he realized like i was a dick like that did go too far and porsche kind of forgives him in this like intense hug it out moment but like without words so again like the consent dubious but like the body language is like you see anger to like for apology to like forgiveness then Porsche turns around and Ken waits, making this like almost unbearable level of eye contact. Like they're just staring into each other's eyes and it feels uncomfortable uh, yes. to be watching. Yes. You feel like a total yes. voyeur watching the scene because you're like, they're totally going to do it. And then Ken like waits until whatever he needs to see in Porsche's face. And you see him give this little nod. Like, I get it. I understand that like now it's okay. And then... Yeah he just decides to go ahead with like, yeah, the most savagely intimate mutual handjob scene. That's like probably ever graced the small screen. Oh my God. Like, I mean, like I still not sure they didn't do it. <laughs> I, I know they didn't. I know they didn't. I know. I mean, like, look, I want to be really, I am aware of this acting and theater and like, you know, I appreciate the characters for what they are. I'm just saying it was like that feeling of being a voyeur was so, prevalent like i had to like hide my eyes yeah i was like i can't believe this is happening on screen i remember just staring at the screen and being and then it was like over and i was like what i can't believe that that just happened <laughs> i can't believe that was on a drama this is amazing porsche licking his hand oh god i forgot about that <laughs> it was a lot and by the way this is a podcast that i've already because my daughter listens to some and I was like, this isn't one you're going to listen to, which is fine. Oh, like, no. She like respects, she knows when it's too much for her, but I was like a hundred percent. Right. This is like mature rating. Yeah. I mean, the whole, what was funny is they have scenes like this, but then they didn't let them swear. <laughs> right. <laughs> Only yes. Vegas. Swore. You can O face. Like, I mean, you can O face yeah. with like your nose pressed against the camera mm -hmm. As you're, like, shuddering out your, like, numerous climaxes. Right. But don't say but, fuck. like, look, we have, yeah, we have You have to say freaking or flipping or whatever they did. They had, they had to keep saying it was, I think Vegas was the only one who actually, like, swore. Which I'm like, thank God. Vegas was funny, too. <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> we'll get to Yeah, Vegas. we'll get to Vegas. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, the first sex scene is, like, 100% problematic so that's when kin was like slightly drugged and they i remember leah was like megan this is like full-on like thrusting i saw butt cheeks this is like a, you know against a window like this is this is over the city over the city like she was like this is no joke and i was like uh okay now i'm watching it and i'm not gonna wait till it airs live <laughs> so but i mean was it like absolutely hot like yes so Mainly because, like, these two men are both a little problematic, and the drama didn't make excuses for it. They didn't, like, have the drug sex, then act like it was fine. <laughs> like, Ken knew he did Porsche wrong on many occasions and apologized for it. So we got these, like, problematic first scenes where they were fighting this attraction, and Ken did not 
ask for consent and i don't think he wanted to ask for consent i think he wanted to be that asshole he wanted to pretend that he was only sort of like attracted to porsche on a physical level when he really was falling for him all the way so one thing we mentioned was like porsche didn't really want to be a bodyguard he was basically forced into it there he didn't he didn't have consent to be <laughs> he didn't really consent <laughs> yeah he poor, poor porsche didn't so he didn't really consent but here's the one thing just as like a quick side right. note Porsche was also from episode one having drunk, you know, hetero sex in like alleyways, right. drunk with drunk people. So it wasn't like he like was this little perfect angel. Like his his consent track record was not yeah. He's high. like an underground fighter getting beat up. Like this is yeah. That's what I'm saying. Porsche wasn't like this like goody two shoes in any way, shape, or form. So I mean, what's interesting is we did. So obviously a lot of that happened like in the earlier episodes. So yeah, he didn't even have consent to be like, he didn't really want to be a a bodyguard. And then we mentioned the whole like handcuffed episode. So that was when they're on the run from basically assassins. They, you know, they would have both been killed if they were caught. They're handcuffed together. And at one point they are like stuck in this like rock crevice. (laughs) They can't get out. And they really have this kind of, like, heart-to-heart. And um, Ken basically says, like, I know I really hurt you in, like, so many ways. And they didn't he didn't come right out and say, like, I basically assaulted, like, sexually assaulted you. But he was like, I hurt you. And, like, I know I did wrong. And I'm sorry. And it was actually like, oh, my God, there's, like, a guy saying I'm sorry. And, like, you know, I mean, just he, just, he just laid it all out there. And they really came to some sort of truce. And when they managed to get out of this crevice, Ken said to Porsche, I know you never really wanted this. I know you don't really want to be my bodyguard. So run away, leave, just run away, go have a good life. I'll tell everyone that you died. Like, we'll never come after you. Just go. He sets him and he sets him free. And, you know, there's, that, that's kind of like an important, you know, I mean, there's obviously times in books or, you know, in romance genre or whatever, where you do have sort of scenes where like, you know, one of the characters is forced into doing something else. And there always is that kind of like revelation where you then give them a choice to like leave or come back. Like that is kind of common and they did it and it, they did it in a really smart way. So Kin or so Porsche, he like turns to leave, remember? And then he like kind of gets this look on his face, like, ah, and he turns around and he runs back to Kin and they have this like kiss and it's, amazing and it's a porsche initiated it's a port so yeah it's a porsche initiated kiss you know porsche's feeling for kin because obviously during this handcuff thing they were able to like talk and kin kind of dropped the asshole act and so porsche really got to know him more and then he flees and so kin is like standing there all alone crying and then all of a sudden these like assassins come out of the dark and porsche runs back with like what a knife <laughs> Right? Yeah, I mean, just whatever. Whatever, it doesn't matter. matter. Porsche runs back with a knife, and he's, like, trying to kill them. And he's standing in front of Kin, and they sh- some one of the guys shoots a gun. And, of course, Kin, once again, steps in front of Porsche and uh, gets shot. And he lives, of course. But the whole point is... And Porsche is really kind of, like, the worst bodyguard. Oh, he is. He's a terrible... <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> terrible bodyguard. He's amazing, but, like, yeah, his uh, client is constantly in the water. Right. Saving his own life. So, I, I would say, like, that whole... That whole thing, because then, you know, Porsche, Ken is recovering, and Porsche, like, crawls into his hospital bed with him, and they're, like, cuddling, and it's really freaking cute. And that's, like, a whole turning point. It was like that, it felt to me like there was a very intentional shift 
in the drama, in the writing, to show, okay, so all that that happened before, we recognize that that was, like, extremely problematic, but now, you know, we've we've had apologies, Porsche for once was able to consent to something, and going forward, it's going to change, and it did. And so... Yeah, their power dynamic... completely changed. Yeah. And to me, I loved that. Like, to me, it felt... God, so smart. It really, really, truly did. Because, you know, they're mushy and in love, and now things are totally different. So, I mean, at one point, they, they're, like, fighting about something, and Porsche tells, Ken tries to, like, grab him and, like, hug him tight, and, and Porsche says, no, don't touch me. And Ken right away backs up, backs up, puts his hands up, does not touch Ken. Or, I'm sorry, Ken does not touch Porsche until Porsche, you know says, okay, now now, now it's okay. And this ha- actually happened, like, a few times. Um, later in the drama, there's a scene where Porsche is upset, you know, when learning the truth about his parents' deaths. And Ken clearly wants to hold Porsche. And the camera even, like, kind of zooms in on his, like, fingers. And they're, like, twitching. Because he's, like, aching to touch his boyfriend. Yeah, Ken's love language is physical Absolutely. Touch. But he also recognizes that it's not always appreciated. And now he's waiting. He waits for consent now. And, uh, yeah, and he maintains a distance until Porsche basically crumbles and then, you know, accepts the touch. Invites him in. Yeah. yeah. And And I'd say that, like, when their power dynamic shifts, we're going to talk later about other couples and power dynamics, Mm -hmm. but in this one, I'd say that neither of them ever, like, once the power dynamic shifts, I'd say it becomes an equal partnership, which is also really interesting. Like, I don't think one has more power than the other. Right. I mean, I don't think so. Between them, it's like, it's it's really special. I mean, I just, yeah, I love them. I really love the the shift in the, in this, like, dynamics of their relationship. And it just, man, I love them. And it made me happy that the drama took it in that direction with them. Yeah, they became, like, dad and dad. Like, you know, there was all this other messy yes. stuff happening. And I was like, I feel like I can always rely on the two of you. You've worked out your crazy shit. Obviously, there's more to come. But, like, I truly believe there's, like, this, like, warm, deep love, firm foundation here that you've built in not that many episodes either. Yeah. Ugh. I love them. But, yep, totally agree. Totally agree. And now it's time for our favorite segment of the week. It's our K-pop wreck. And this week we have Leah. So I'm excited to make a uh, K-pop wreck this week. And I want to talk about J-Hope from BTS. And he has uh, recently released his um, first uh, official solo album. So not a mixtape, but an album that's got kind of like the full power of his company behind him. And that's called Jack in the Box. And uh, it's this concept album that is based in the Greek myth of Pandora's Box, which just as a quick uh, mythological reminder is, you know, Pandora is given a box, told not to open it. She does open it. And all the baddie things in the world come out. But the last thing in the box that remains is hope. So J-Hope, there we go. And the song I want to recommend is um, actually Arson. So it's kind of like the big anthem on the um, album. So More was released first as a music video. I also really like that. But Arson uh, just dropped. And I'd say that that kind of is this like big anchoring song. It ends the mixtape and it kind of captures uh, J-Hope's story of like being at the crossroads and uh, like 
existential crisis and basically like the ultimate will to like kind of like pull through that moment and I really enjoy it and it's fun and it's kind of like a good hype song too um yeah I just want to add that I liked more a lot but arson is so good I really really like it and the music video is really badass yeah so badass if you enjoy our podcast you have our patrons to thank at least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoon Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, Glow up your skin with K Merch Rex. Find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. Okay, so <laughs> speaking of consent, <laughs> let's talk about Vegas and Pete. Uh, one of the side romances, which became a fan favorite for like a lot of good reasons. So Vegas, as we talked about, he's the eldest son of the minor family. So basically, uh, his father is the younger brother of Kin's father. So as we mentioned, he and Kin are cousins. And the relationship between the major and minor family was like a little murky to me. I, I didn't quite fully understand it, but essentially... They were almost always in competition and battling. So uh, Pete is a lovable bodyguard for the major family, and he's a friend to Porsche. So, yeah. Oh, and one thing about Vegas, it's great. Like, he will randomly speak in English. He speaks really great English. But it's just funny because you don't know in the show. Like, he'll just randomly say a few lines in English out of nowhere, and I just really love this. Yeah, so Leah especially, what do you need to get off your chest about Vegas and Pete, because I know that you are, like, captain of the ship. Yeah, I really feel like I am. And, okay, so Vegas, for me, as I was watching the drama, because I hadn't, you know, I hadn't read any of the source material. I tried to stay away from any of the spoiler talks. So I just kind of was like, you know, Vegas is, like, obviously attractive, but he's kind of just, like, this, like, very unredeemable, just, like, bad guy you know and I was like almost to the point where I was starting to get a little bored with him because he was just so fucking bad and just right. kept and making like a little one note at the beginning yeah yeah definitely one note just constantly like a thorn in kin side showing up with like the exes just like you know you were like okay here's Vegas again to like cause some conflict with Porsche or to like you know show that he's been humping like the not dead ex-boyfriend you know just lots of like okay like vegas is around vegas is a bad guy vegas's dick is a bad guy like that was vegas yeah okay so i was not expecting him to steal the fucking show from me in the second half 
So, okay. Pete is Ken's favorite non-Porsche bodyguard, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes on a mission to Vegas's house to search for evidence of their family's disloyalty and corruption. And instead, he gets caught by Vegas. And he gets tortured by <laughs> Vegas. And by that, I mean he gets tied to a post and gets his ball sack electrocuted. I'm sorry to laugh, but it's just what the hell? And I was just like, wait a second. Because the lights like are flickering. This, yeah, the lights are flickering. It shouldn't be hot to pull out like electrodes and like, you know, or what it's like jumper cables. <laughs> and so we see this happening. And, like, Vegas is just, like, obviously, like, a fucking twisted. And you're like, oh, okay. I thought he was a bad guy. I didn't realize he was, like, a fucked up bad guy. Right. And then you're like, and Pete has been, like, kind of sunshine and rainbows. Like, very happy-go-lucky. Like, kind of adorably cute. And all of a sudden, you're just like, ooh. Like, you've got some weirdness going on here, too. Like, what's going on? So, as his bull sack's getting, like, electrocuted... I'm not going to say he enjoyed it, but there was like, like, I was also like, oh my gosh, I think we're having like some masochistic tendencies coming out. There's something going on. And Vegas is realizing this and we're having some sort of like exchange. And then we have talked about this in some of the previous, like just bantering and other podcasts in the background. Okay. First the lighting, every time Vegas has to do anything sexual and this only happens with Vegas, the lighting gets either like red or like (laughs) moody club, like green and purple. Yes. (laughs) Cause this doesn't happen when Kim and Porsche hook up only Vegas. And then we see there's a hedgehog just like kind of on like a back shelf with a bunch of torture, (laughs) sexual torture instruments. There's a hedgehog in a bird cage, just like living its life. And so you're just like, wait, 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 what? So, okay. That one is when I was like, I, I like, like the apple kind of like got me at the beginning. All of a sudden, like the, the like weird sexual exchange over the, (laughs) the jumper cables to the balls. I was like, look, I don't know. I hate myself, I guess, but I am like way into this and there's a hedgehog. Yeah. So, and I think part of the compelling thing is that these characters aren't who they seem at face value. Because, like I said, Pete is really kind of this, like, sunshine and rainbows bodyguard, even though he, like, shoots a bunch of fucking people all the time. Um, but I feel like he also can look into the darkness of the human condition, We turn it turns out, and he can find it compelling, intriguing, and maybe a little sexy. And Vegas is, like, over the top in everything, in clothing, in attitude, in murdering, and... Like, he really does seem just unredeemable until we learn that inside him is just this little marshmallow who wants to be number one to somebody. Because he's, like, not number one in terms of the family. He's not number one in terms of the cousins. He's not even, like, number one to his dad. He just wants to be number one. He's got major daddy issues. Like, like the king of daddy issues. I mean, yeah. I thought Ken had some daddy issues. And I was like, oh, no. Ken's got, like, a pretty good relationship with his dad compared to Vegas and Gunn. And, yeah. yeah. And, and Vegas is, or Pete's the one who is able to articulate to Vegas in a way that I think helps him start to make some sense of his daddy issues and saying that like gun has never been number one in the family. Like the, his big brother corn has like always been like the, the oldest he's the head of the major family. 
he gets everything. So the dad is constantly just like, like, and has gotten like worse and worse because of it. And now takes that out on Kin on um, Vegas. And now Vegas kind of is like repeating the cycle with Kin. And like Pete kind of makes that observation. And you see Vegas have this like aha moment. Although they're having this as like Pete is a captive, quasi sexual slave with the hedgehog. The hedgehog's being treated better, actually. Yes. And Vegas is like, but <laughs> I mean, what do I say when I'm like, look. The first time he had to feed Pete, who he is keeping as a pet now, in you know, sex bedroom, he yeah. pushes his face in a bowl of food like Napoleon Dynamite feeding that llama, like, eat, Tina, eat your food. <laughs> <laughs> and then we know that, like, the things have pivoted when we see... Vegas making a bowl of carefully thought out ramen noodle, like noodles that he knows that Pete likes and bringing it to him and being like, look, you can like eat it out of a bowl with like some chopsticks. Except, <laughs> that, his, like, dad, except his dad ruins it. He does. He ruins it. But like, you, that, I mean, like you're seeing the emotional yeah. growth and I'm like, oh, so for me, I'm like, apparently this is emotional growth that he's not shoving his face into the bowl <laughs> of food and he's instead preparing it for him like a human. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so romantic. I know, right? But that, that's like, that's like my standards for this drama. I'm like, oh, fantastic. He's yeah. So like, I mean, I know I sound like an effed up person, but I think if you're listening at this point, like you might like it too. Yeah. I don't. Sometimes, and I, I mean, I think this is just, this drama's given me permission to realize that in these, like, weird fantasy spaces, again, stuff that, like, just is not a good idea in real life and is illegal and is probably going to put you in prison, can be seen as, like, romantic and fun in, like, fantasy land. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so the way they took, like, the kind of like Ken and Porsche, but the way they took like the power balance, the power imbalance of this relationship and like flipped it was, was pretty spectacular. I mean, look, they start with Pete, Pete tied up and tortured. Okay. They electrocuted his balls or Vegas did. He like beat him with a belt. I mean, Vegas has all the power. It's got him chained up in a bedroom in his underwear. <laughs> and he kind of is like, you're my pet. You're my yeah. pet. I'm bored. So I'm keeping you because you're my pet. And yeah, so I, and I would say at least Vegas thinks he has all the power um, because Pete really is cracking him and by, you know, really giving Vegas the time of day that no one else did and really talking to him and giving him like a helping Vegas understand why he's so angry. And when they finally do have sex, that that is it's consensual. So, uh, you know, it's a really kind of beautiful montage. Of course, it's like, you know, sexy mood lighting in this yeah, torture always. dungeon. <laughs> and like there's like a wrench hanging on the wall. Oh, it's ridiculous. So, but Pete kind of, Pete actually hands Vegas the rope to tie his hands. Like, you know, he gives him the power. Um, you know, it's very sim- symbolic. And um, in the end, Vegas is left with pretty much nothing by the end of the drama. You know, his father has died and he's no longer like the heir to the minor family. Essentially, like his minor family is now gone. So he's just like a a bad, ill-advised uprising. Oh, it's terrible. And so like everyone died. And this is actually a really interesting scene because uh, Vegas sees that his father died. He like he knows he knows he's got nothing 
and he like tries to run out of the major family's house and Pete follows him and like stops him outside and you know this has kind of been a really interesting scene and I thought the dialogue was really great because Pete basically gets on his knees and says I'm hungry and because you know they're kind of carrying over that whole like pet feeding yeah thing because he's like I'm hungry and you know I'm your pet so you need you need to feed me and Pete's like crying I'm not acting it out obviously but you know Pete's crying but it's like his way of saying like I'm I'm yours and like you're mine yeah yeah because because Vegas kind of turns around he's like well can't someone else feed you meaning like can't you just go can't you just like go to someone else can't you know can't someone else love you and Pete's just like no it needs to be you you're the one you're the one who has to feed me it's interesting because they're kind of talking in code yeah and I guess oh go ahead oh and I was gonna say and I think okay so we're gonna get into the hedgehog in a minute but just like we saw um and you made the good point of Porsche basically of Porsche leaving although Kin gave consent to Porsche to leave after like in the handcuff scene and then like Porsche comes back so when the hedgehog is dying, Vegas leaves the sex dungeon bedroom and Pete's able to like finagle his own escape. So he gets free of his chains and he's like, I got it. He's in his underwear, bloody and battered. And is like, I got to get the fuck out of here. And he's about to like take off into the night when he just sees like Vegas sitting in the yard, holding his dead hedgehog and crying. And you see him hesitate. And then he consensually decides to get recaptured basically. (laughs) And so there is like that sense too of like he does, and that's before they have sex. And so I think that that's something that we can see from like the production company BOC is that like before some of the major like emotional lift that happens between characters, we do see there's like these moments of more clear consent. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's really great. It's really smart. I mean, I, I, I really love that. Like, you know, Ending scene with with Pete in Vegas. I mean, unfortunately, then he gets filled with bullets. <laughs> Vegas, yeah, I thought Vegas. Vegas, I, w- I was like, if Vegas is dead, me too. I'm fucking done. Like, Ken, of me course, too. is dead to me. So thank God he, he's not dead. And you know, in the next scene, he's like recovering, you know, in bed. And of course, who's there? He, he has he has a younger brother named Macau. But um, you know, Pete's there taking care of him. And Vegas basically is like, you can leave. You know, I'm going to be a burden to you. I have nothing. I am no one. And Pete's like, I'm staying. I'm staying. I have and, waffles and Swiss cheese. Yeah, and and it's like kind of great because you know, Vegas is just like, look, you mean everything to me. You're the most important person in my life, and I think for Vegas to like make that sort of confession to someone is huge character growth, especially after he went from electro- electrocuting his balls. Yeah. Just as I say, you have to. You and have I to trust us on this journey. Balls. I think they, the ball electrocution may still very much come into play between them, and I hope it does. But I hope it yeah. is in a safe and consensual way. You, you just um, have to trust us. Yeah, it sounds I think, crazy. But... Yeah, Vegas is like torture dungeon. I don't believe is going anywhere. I think Pete likes the torture dungeon, but Pete also wants to feel like you know we're gonna choose to do torture dungeon time, and then we're gonna like <laughs> not. Like, I just don't want to be, like, in the torture dungeon forever just because you're fucked up. Like, I want to, like, right. actively select into those moments. And yeah. Pete also takes a big risk because Pete is, like, the beloved bodyguard of um, Kin's family. And he, like, leaves to, like, be with Vegas in the end. And the other thing that they don't touch on, and I don't think they're going to just because, look, 
it's problematic as well is like Vegas kills like basically a ton of bodyguards who are all like Pete's like brothers in arms. Like Chan oh my God. goes down. Don't like, even they... get me started. He, he comes in, he just kills all these people with a semi-automatic. <laughs> yeah. And like Vegas and Pete's like, mm, I mean, whatever. Like, look, all the days work. Yeah. <laughs> all like of my like coworkers are dead. Just doing and, your job. Like, it's okay. Look, I'm still all in. <laughs> So, yeah, we got to talk about the hedgehog just a little bit. So, did okay. we want better than a rusty birdcage in a sex dungeon for Vegas's hedgehog? Yes or no? <laughs> so, was it rusty? <laughs> Look, I feel like at least it was full of, like, well-chopped tropical fruit. Like, he diced right. those those little niblets. He did. But the problem is, is that the hedgehog did not die a particularly comfortable death. So, ultimately, I think he probably deserves something a smidge more healthy and nurturing like, maybe a habitat with access to proper sunlight. Right. Not a dungeon. So, it was funny. So, when we first saw this hedgehog, Leah and I were losing our shit. Okay, because, again, it's... The first time they show the hedgehog is in just a brief, brief pan in one episode. And that's it. That's all we get of... And, and but right away, I was like, there's a fucking hedgehog in there? Like, I latched onto that. And it was yeah. so funny because Leah also latched onto the hedgehog so together we were obsessed with this hedgehog and, and look we're like, i get the metaphor like somebody because we've been right. like laughing about it and people have been like look the metaphor is that he it's like vegas and he's spiky on the outside but like soft underneath i'm like yes yes look i get, we get it. it we get it okay <laughs> but it's still it. a hedgehog in a bird cage <laughs> it's still in a sex dungeon so yeah. as much as you want to play sure the metaphor is great but it's still fucking weird but I, and I remember thinking we're never going to get an explanation on this hedgehog, and I was like, truly, I just thought it was going to yeah. be just a random. Well, that's another thing too, because at first I didn't actually think they were going to like have a reason for the hedgehog. So yeah, I, was I like, thought it was just what? a background shot of the electrocuted. Scene, right, but and no, I was no, like, no. what intern decided to go get a hedgehog? Yeah, no, the hedgehog is way more intentional because after the electrocution scene, um, Vegas, you know, Vegas's dad interrupts him torturing. <laughs> Pete's balls and right. is like basically like I don't know you're a little bitch smack 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 yeah. and so Vegas decides oh and Vegas has to go to a safe house and so right. what do you bring to the safe house you bring your pets yeah which is Pete and the hedgehog <laughs> yeah and he's like hand feeding the hedgehog and so yeah the hedgehog and the bird then... cage so was it like Vegas running out in the dark with the they didn't show that but with a bird cage can you imagine if they did show him running out with a bird cage in one hand and just dragging Pete on the face? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> but so anyway, th- thank God they actually gave us background to the hedgehog because that was honestly just fantastic. And then just watching like Vegas crying over his head, but it was like so weird. He's like, my dad always gives me hedgehogs, and I'm supposed to take care of them and just watch them die. <laughs> hedgehogs like this is the last <laughs> of a long line of dead hedgehogs i was like jesus right he's like this is the last hedgehog and i've watched them all die and pete's just like nodding like that's normal like it's so fucking <laughs> oh shit i mean there's so many and so i'm just gonna point out one that made me laugh out loud which shouldn't have made me laugh because these are things i normally don't like either it's just over the top ridiculous action but whatever. We're in Kim Porsche land and I loved it. And it is when, um, you know, the Vegas and like minor family are like having their last stand essentially. 
and we see Kin's eldest brother, um, Tankoon, and his, like, two bodyguard, like, friends who are, like, tech whizzes. They basically have, like, home alone mafia warfare. So Tankoon is not somebody who knows, him, his, like, the business side of a gun. Like, we don't see him shooting people. He's, like, not that guy. But is he the guy who, like, can, like, bring in, like, a remote control car full of marbles and then, like, release the marbles so the baddies are, like, slipping and sliding on the marbles? Yes. <laughs> it's like Kevin, Ar Kevin Arnold, the sequel. And it had a little microphone, so he could be like, you know, basically like, over here. Marbles. <laughs> in a gunfight. Yeah. <laughs> Marbles in a gunfight. In a parking garage. It was... Holy shit, that was so funny. It, I, I was like, I can't believe this is happening. But this is like part of the plot. Oh, he was like, he, yeah, and, and then he, well, he was like, Kin, run! Like, <laughs> um, well, really, I loved, I loved Tankun. So Tankun's the older brother. Um, a little bit of his background is just that he was like kidnapped yeah, so as a in the sex dungeon. They even forget about him at so first. Like, from I then like on, forgetting like, about somebody like, important. He's just, but he's like oh, super well, eccentric. <laughs> he has like the craziest outfits, gay as hell, just yeah. the best. Okay. And he always wants to, like, watch movies with his bodyguards. And sometimes they're scary. So, like, those scenes were, were so funny. And then at one point, so they think Pete's dead. So the whole time, no one's, like, going after Pete. Yes. They just, they're just like, oh. <laughs> they forget about him. <laughs> Getting his balls singed off. Yeah, so they hold this, like, funeral. <laughs> Tankoon is, like, wailing and, like, yell it like it is so freaking funny but then like pete like hobbles in during the funeral like all bloody <laughs> limping <laughs> with his clothes torn and tycoon's like pete it's just oh my god tycoon is great um yeah so i want to talk about the action scenes or really anything that was just over the top and unrealistic you know what's something that had you just like laughing out loud that just shouldn't have been funny um yeah <laughs> the bodyguard ken's head in a box <laughs> so we find out ken is like a secret like mole basically they knew there was a mole it turns out to be ken who i believe must be australian because he had a pretty thick australian accent and i don't believe he yeah. speaks uh thai particularly well um, he, he has a YouTube channel, and it's actually really interesting. But yeah, he's Australian. And I, the reason I'm saying I don't know if he speaks Thai particularly well, it could be a characterization thing, but I'm actually watching another Thai drama right now called Cutie Pie, and he's in that. And occasionally he apologizes for his Thai. So um, I'm just going off that. But anyway, he betrays the main family. What happens when you betray a main mafia family? You get your head in a box. And what's mostly funny is that Megan and I were like, was the production, like, we don't think the cost, like, they didn't have the money to give such a realistic head, because it's a good head. Yeah. They didn't. They'd cut oh. a hole in the table, and Ken put his head through the hole, and just had to kind of, like, give, like, a bleh, dead face. Because <laughs> there's, like, shots of him, like, on scene, like, with his head shoved up through the table, and then, like, the other cast, like, pictures with him, like, with their, you know, yeah. like, peace signs. 
So, I mean, look, I was reading through the script before I filled it out, and Leah's responses were first, and I just, <laughs> Leah just wrote, Ken head in a box, and I, because <laughs> I, I'd, like, temporarily forgotten it, and I just laughed out loud, so loud I scared my cat, because the head in the box was, like, the pinnacle of absolutely ridiculous. Like, it's, like, on, honestly, they, like, lifted up the head, and I think I was supposed to be upset so they funny. killed Ken. I the way laughed out loud. Too. I was like, I cannot believe they put a head in a box. And I also, oh, it was like tilted to the, I mean, it was just so great. It was great. And I also love the fact that like Kin's evil ex-boyfriend survived like a point blank yeah. shot to the chest <laughs> because he was wearing a bulletproof vest. So like they thought they killed him and then he like springs back up like, yeah, suckers, like I'm still alive. But then Big, the yeah. beloved bodyguard, was not wearing a bulletproof vest. The bodyguard. And so when he got shot in the chest, he died. Like I was like, so... If body, you know, if if bulletproof vests are yeah, this available, I mean, why are like, in like, their bodyguard uh, tower? Spring for all your bodyguards to have bulletproof they have vests. Everything from like swim training facilities to like gun rentals. Oh my I'm god! I'm sure there was a bulletproof vest. So like, maybe Big was just like cutting some corners on the PPE that day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, there were a lot of deaths. So R.I.P. to the real ones. And which death did you care about most? Like, I want to say some of the bodyguards, because, I mean, like, I love them for who they were. Big Chan, you know, a couple of them stood out for me. But, look, Mm -hmm. they kind of ran together because they were just going down. Like, it was like you were all anonymous henchmen who were going to die. So, I'm going to say I cared about Elizabeth the Carp. uh, Tankun's (laughs) beloved carp that, you know, as you pointed out earlier, uh, Porsche pees in the pool. And it causes the death of... Uh, you know, the eldest brother's beloved carp. <laughs> and what's even better is when the carp is dead and Tancoon is holding it like justice for Elizabeth. Elizabeth, yeah. if you watch, is not dead. The carp is there with its no. mouth like, bop, Clearly still so, alive. Like, I was like, either it's hilarious that the carp is still alive and Tancoon just thinks she's dead, or like this poor carp dies because they had her out of the water so long faking her death anyway but the carp is definitely not dead in the scene and then obviously the hedgehog dying of watery diarrhea is not how you want a cute little hedgehog to go oh yeah he did he did he was like she's having watery stool um like thanks thanks vegas veterinarian Um, vegas for your it's called lack of vitamin d well, I mean, just about the carp. So, Porsche, you know, he accidentally kills it by peeing in the pond. And then as punishment, Tankoon makes him dress as yes. a mermaid <laughs> and flap around in a pool. Yes. It's With a huge tail. With body... a huge tail. And, like, little shells yeah. over its nipples. Oh, my God. It's so, so funny. Anyway, so I, I'm going to pour one out for Erica. Yeah. So, Erica was, like the gun dealer like she was basically the she is in charge of all the guns so when they're the major family house was like under attack by the minor family you know ken and portia on the run and they're about to be like you know cornered by a bunch of i don't know minor family people and erica just comes like roaring out from behind a corner with like guns in each hand just starts like firing off and she's like screaming it is god erica it was very funny. So there is rumblings of a second season, and I would be surprised if they didn't have a second season because this was extremely successful. Extremely. Uh, yeah, there better be a second um, season. Yeah, and they definitely left some things 
There's you a know, pretty big cliffhangers at the end. Yeah, true. True. I mean, I mean, not not with, not the, with romances. the romances. But there's definitely some like mafia plots that like are still very open ended. So, um, you know, what do you want season two to focus on? Okay. Well, one thing we haven't talked about at all is the youngest brother, Kim, who is a pop star by day. And super sleuth by night down to moving oh like a picture off the wall. And it actually has like the sleuth with like the red yarn connecting people. Yes! <laughs> so, and I mean, look, he's beautiful. So Kim is a mystery and I want it all. And he also has this thing yeah. for Che, who is Porsche's little brother. Look, has Che graduated high school? I mean, I want to ship it, but I'm also like, he is a boy, so I'm trying to, like, thread that line. But, like, yes, they have a sweet... And I appreciate how they've handled that side romance. Mostly, it's just a lot of angst and Kim watching over Che like a dark angel. Um, yes. <laughs> and Che, uh, you know, feeling betrayed because he had a crush on Kim and then didn't realize that, like, Kim was part of this mafia family that was kind of, like, you know after his big brother but anyway um i would like to see more of that and i do appreciate that they've kept their relationship i mean there was like a kiss on the cheek and that's been about it um yeah because the actor playing shay is actually like a yeah, minor so i mean that's gonna stay i think sweet and innocent and honestly it's kind of a nice palate cleanser compared totally. to everything else like we yeah. got like the ball electrocuting and then we get like a kit like che writing a love song and like kissing kim on the cheek Oh, and I love how Kim just, like, literally is, like, stalking over Che. Like, there was a scene where Che is, like, playing a video game and doesn't realize that, like, people are moving in to assassinate him. And then, like, Kim comes out from, like, the, who knows where, destroys and kills all the baddies. Like, 12 of them while Che plays the video mm -hmm. all game by all by himself. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm here for more Kim. Um, I want to see yeah. Vegas and Pete, like, working on their shit and starting to get a little more domestic. Um, mm -hmm. I'm ready for a Ken and Porsche wedding to like cap off season two. And the big question for me is like the cat. So the mom was meant to be dead. The mom ends up not being dead, but like has no Porsche's, Porsche's mom. mom and Che's mom, yeah. but she has no memory. It's very weird. And I'm like, I don't know. So the end is like the two boys adoringly hugging their mom. Who's just sitting there like, burr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's like catatonic she's like why are these men touching yeah, me it's weird. like it's very weird um yeah yeah i mean i agree that all those i want uh, i want to see, see vegas and pete like in a normal well as, as normal as you can get in the kin porsche world but i want to see them in a more normal with like setting. a hedgehog in a healthy vegas. environment right like let's get a hedgehog in a proper tent in a proper yeah. cage um or maybe let it wander around the house i don't know Ken and Porsche wedding would be amazing because one thing is at the end. So Porsche is um, now the head of the minor family. It's kind of a long story, but basically he's sort of related. His sister was a foster through... sister. At first we thought they were That's actually it. blood cousins, which felt yeah. like I was like, at this point, fuck it. I what? don't care. Keep that. Make yeah. that family. <laughs> make that family tree You're along. not procreating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But no, they are not yeah. first cousins. They are, you know, um, not by blood, at least. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, so it's it was very interesting. I know. I want to know. Yeah, so so Porsche is now, you know, obviously heavily involved. He's all for it. it all for the the mafia life, I guess. So, yeah. yeah. I want a season two so bad. 
I would I would watch all these characters again and again and again. And like I said, they're doing like a world tour. You know that, right? No. Just to like fan meet yes. people? Oh my yes. god, I gotta look it up. And they're like, oh my god, they're like, they're gonna do songs, they're gonna do, because like, Kim, his name is Jeff, he's like, he's like a singer, that's what he does, and so, yeah, they're doing a world tour. Okay, it's I'm gonna look it up, because look, I'm in California, somebody's coming to California, so. Oh, absolutely, the, oh, I'm sure they are, but they're doing a world tour where the cast is going around, and they were doing like, sh- it's like an actual yeah, show. Yeah, I'm into it. I mean, they are stupidly awesome, and the cast really, like, like I said, sells it, so... Is there anything, like, before we go, is there anything else that you want to get off your chest about Kim Porsche? Uh, just that I loved it. I mean, I honestly loved it. Um, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta give it a shot. I want to just get off my chest one last thing, which is bread. Yeah. I never knew that <laughs> bread could have such a role in a drama because oh somehow they have a bread product placement. And there's, like, some scenes where they're just eating some fucking bread. And it's just bread. Like, they're pulling it out. It looks like Wonder Bread, like, out of a bag. And just, like, numbing on the bread. Like, in the mafia, like, the sumptuous grounds of, like, their mansions. Like, just have some of this delicious bread. It's so good. (laughs) It's, like, slow zoom in on the the bag of bread. It zoomed in more lovingly than it did Vegas electrocuting Pete's balls, which was very, like... You know, focus shot. And then later, or no, I don't know if it was later or earlier, but there's a scene where they're in bed together and they're eating bread. And then they like French kiss bread into each other's mouths. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I was like, you know what? They got that product placement, got its money's worth. Because I mean, like, Uh if I knew that brand of bread, you know. And I went to Thailand, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. that bread. Sure. I would buy the bread. I, I know. I The bread promo was amazing. They, I think they had a whole ramen promo, too. Oh, yeah, which was, like, Remember? more problematic. Well, okay, <laughs> so we're going to serve your ramen, but it's going to be in a sex dungeon, and the person eating it's going to be chained. But he's going to enjoy yeah. it a lot. Did the did the people paying for this promo know what scene their stuff was going to be in? Like, I need to know. <laughs> it was it was amazing. As always, I love the promo in Asian dramas, but the bread was definitely. I mean, they're just like sitting there eating bread, yeah, just like, not, but not toasted, not with like slathered no. and jam, just like plain dry bread. Like, who sits there and just <laughs> takes a piece of bread out of a bag and eats? As it? you're at a table with like silver and china. I mean, if you do, that's great. Like, good for you. And they're like, oh, this bread, it's just so, like, good. (laughs) And it's just sliced bread. Yeah, sliced white bread. like Wonder Bread. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so we've talked about the marbles. We've talked about the merman. We've talked about the bread, the hedgehog, the electrodes. I mean... And we haven't even skipped. I mean, we are an hour and 20 in and we haven't even scratched the surface of the bananas that's in Kim Porsche. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like, even if we told you the plot, it does not matter. Like, I promise you, you will still get enjoyment. If like this sounds at all up your alley, you'll still get enjoyment out of it. And there's still plenty more stuff we didn't mention. Um, that is just, again, off yeah, the wall. Crazy. It's a joyful look. I've rewatched it already. <laughs> 
Oh, I've rewatched scenes for and sure. I, think I mean, I'm like the hand job scene. Who yeah, has not? I mean, I'm going to be rewatching this drama probably like once or twice a year, just because I mean, like it's pretty quick and yeah, it's delightful. And I will say, the second time watching it, I understood a lot more of what was happening on the mafia side of things the first time. Oh, I think okay. I was just like kind of just like I don't know. There's a lot of henchmen at all times. I really the second time made me appreciate Kim more. Because Kim, from the beginning, like, I was, like, at the beginning, like, okay, and then there's this random Kim guy, and he's got his, like, paranoia poster board. But this time, I'm like, ah, he's, like, putting shit together way before everyone else. He clearly is the smartest tool in the toolkit of that family. Yeah, because for a while there, you and I were both like, we don't even really care about these mafia dealings, and I don't think it's making sense. Because I do feel like towards the middle, the plot went off the rails, and it kind of, like stayed off the rails but just on like two wheels yeah yeah and i mean like look there were some like side plots but i think it was just to like you know the italian stuff we could have probably done without but who cares i mean like we had to have some shootouts and look the other thing we haven't touched on and we have to touch on this before we go and then we will release everyone we did not talk about the freaking moment that we have ken porsche shooting back to back in the like grand final like shootout scene like talk about like a grand a grand fight scene where they both so they're they're facing each other they're pressed chest to chest and they each have like one arm over the other shoulder so they're firing in separate directions at all the baddies and this just shows again that equal like this is again like really the show being like look these are equals in terms of power right yeah, they're equals, they're a team, because that's, that's when Porsche basically says to Ken, I'm not on anyone's side, I'm not, or I'm not on the minor family side, I'm not on the major family side, I'm on your side. Yeah. I'm on, I, that's who's, I'm on your side. And that was kind of like the final, like, nail in the relationship coffin in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was like the last, like, little thing to peel off was like, because Ken kept being like, I want you to be loyal to my family, I want you to be loyal to my family, I want you to be loyal to my family, and look, Kim's family's fucked yeah. up. So Porsche's kind of like, uh, yeah. I think they killed my mom, so, like, not really, but I right. am loyal to you. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, and them shooting back-to-back was epic, and that was in a, bu- I think that was in some trailers, and I remember a bunch of, like, viewers kept saying, oh my god, when is the, when it, well, front to front, um, shooting scene gonna happen. And, and the it pool was, scene, because at the um, end they do get down and dirty in oh. a infinity pool overlooking Bangkok. Oh my god. And, like, just these two. They're just screwing everywhere. Yeah. Oh my god, there's like an underwater kiss in the pool. Yeah. Remember that? When they jump in with all their clothes? They jump in all with all their clothes for really no well, reason. Well, the body, the, the, a bodyguard <laughs> comes in to do the rounds. And they have to hide. Yeah, but like... <laughs> I mean, know. it's Ken's freaking empire. He could be like, yeah, I'm in here and I'm freaking screwing Porsche in the face. What are you going to do about it? Instead, they're like, oh, quick, jump yeah. in the pool. Let's make it underwater. Let's make it underwater and kiss. Yeah. <sighs> so many questions. So many questions. And look, I don't know how comfortable it is to kiss underwater. And I don't know how comfortable it is to like, you know, fuck in a pool. But... It looked good. It looked fun. <laughs> it looked way fun. I mean, I feel like I feel like uh, Porsche could just be twisted like a pretzel. I mean, the guy just looks, yeah. you know, very limber. <laughs> okay, I think we're gonna get <laughs> on that note. 
on that note, I look forward to hopefully seeing them on their world tour of whatever. Yeah. Maybe he'll do some contortionist act. Oh, God. Oh, God. Doing some splits huh. on stage. I just didn't know I needed this in I my know. life. I think that's the thing. The bottom line is 2020 brought me Crash Landing on You. 2022 brought mm-hmm. me Kim Porsche. Mm-hmm. And it was delightful those yeah, times. Yeah, everything I didn't know I needed. Off a cliff. Yeah. Well, Anyang. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K-Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon of Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind-the-scenes photos, and, of course, pics of our favorite opas and unis. Anyang! Anyang!